An hour ago, I gave an overview of many, many holiday events. This is the weekend. It's big last chance for holiday programs. And the way the calendar lies, it is the weekend for the symphony's legendary holiday pops concert. And I'll, tied in so keenly with that title is the name Morihiko Nakahara. So welcome, Morihiko. Thank you so much. Uh, have Good to you, be here. Do you have an implanted... Uh, you know, Santa tattoo, or do you have a Santa suit in your closet or something from your, your wonderful legacy that's been pointed out in the print media of uh, between nutcrackers and right. and the holiday pops you like, you spend your Decembers around here. I don't do the Santa suit, actually, because of the, the infamous wardrobe malfunction incident, you know, so yeah. I thought not doing, the, no, not no. doing the Santa costume thing ever again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it is, you know, it's, I can't, I can't remember, you know, people always ask me, well, so how many, how many years of holiday pops have you done? Uh, it's, it's a little dicey, you know, the memory. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to actually go through all yeah. the program books yeah. dating back to 2003 and yeah. which years I've actually done it. Uh, my guess is about 15 mm -hmm. or Some, so. Something like that. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always fun, but it also there's a little, little bit of a challenge, right? Because how do you, how do you keep it? fresh for mm -hmm. for yourself the orchestra and of course you know, most of all the audience um so you know we we try different things we've you know we've part of that is you know there's always going to be a mixture of very familiar and comfortable right which mm -hmm. is really one of the beautiful things about these programs Th that's the definition of, of of holiday concerts right. yeah. yeah but then at the same time you know you also want to give a little bit of new discoveries, you know, every mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. um, some of that comes in, in forms of, that can actually come in the form of, you know, familiar tunes that we all know and grew up with, but dressed up in a completely different way, right? So some of that can be achieved through, you know, interesting arrangements or new charts. Uh, so this year we're doing, we're actually doing uh, several things that were, initially made famous or made memorable uh, by these recordings by the Boston Pops. Mm -hmm. And some of those are now published. So we can all share those wonderful uh, orchestrations and arrangements uh, with audiences world over. So, you know, that's what we're doing. And, you know, in, in the past years we've done, you know, there, there have been few few of those years where we've had headliners, so guest artists, um, there have been, you know, other years where it's just strictly, a fa you know, family family affair. So mm -hmm. it's essentially, you know, symphony, the symphony chorale, and children's choir. Mm -hmm. uh, the spoken Wh area. Vanessa Williams was one of those guest artists. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, two years ago, and that's the mm -hmm. one. That's one of the ones, a few ones I didn't do because mm -hmm. that was James's first year. So mm -hmm. he he conducted that mm -hmm. one. Uh, so to kind of continue, kind of continuing along, you know. Uh, so two years ago, the most recent one, of course, because we didn't, we couldn't have live holiday pops last mm -hmm. season because of the pandemic, and it's, it's, it's so kind of surreal to think about. Yeah, so you know, it's the it's the first holiday pops in two years for us yeah. with with audience, and and it's it's just so great to to have this uh, opportunity to collaborate with the sweeplings mm -hmm. yeah. and. And to do it in, in this particular fashion, which is we have brand new special arrangements, charts, 
that are made uh, by David Armstrong, who is one of our uh, musicians in the orchestra. He's, he's our uh, assistant principal second violinist. And he's been kind of exploring this, you know, the new, new, new path, uh, so to speak, musically speaking, uh, in terms of creating these charts, arrangements to, to be done with, with, with visiting artists and, and, and the symphony uh, here. So it's, you know, we will start rehearsing. Uh, we s- rehearse tonight and tomorrow mm-hmm. for, for these concerts. And I'm just so like, thrilled yeah. to be able to, to be part of this new collaboration with n- these new charts and to, to work with the Sweeplings. And I, I, I love their sound. Yeah. And what's also great is if you look at the titles, and I mentioned how it's always great to have new twist, different twist on familiar. And if you look at the titles, a lot of the titles, oh, Winter Wonderland, okay, you know the mm-hmm. tune. But they, they bring such unique flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping that, you know, we'll do, we'll, as, you know, when we work as, as an orchestra with them, that we, we do justice, you know, we, we, can, we can do justice to sort of their, their unique sound world. Nice. Too. Yeah. Well, the Sweeplings is a somewhat new name for us. Cami Bradley is a less new name for us, and we're going to focus on that. But first, let's hear from them a little bit of a non-Christmas tune just to establish a bit of who they are musically. This is the tune Across the Sea. Setting sun and rising tide. If we stay in faith, test our reach. Darling, won't you just come with me? Darling, won't you? 
the group the sweeplings cammy bradley and whitney dean doing the song the called across the sea and let's find out who cammy bradley is one of our own among other things that's one of the cool things about it first good morning and welcome thank you for having me uh, let, let, let's let's get your autobiography your spoke your spokane past well, right, was, right in front I of us born and raised here yeah I absolutely love Spokane. Yeah. I've tried to leave a couple times. <laughs> I've traveled a lot of places, and this is home for me. Where, like, where did did you grow up, and and which college, which college, uh, high school did you go to? And all uh, those I technically am Freeman alumni, uh-huh. but I only went there one year. I was homeschooled, and then I went to the Falls um, oh. to do running start. So. I don't know if I can really claim a school as my own other than I kind of hopped around. Well, that's okay because that that already speaks volumes because by doing the Falls Running Start, I presume it was within their very adventurous and good music program, right? I actually wasn't. Oh, really? At the time, I didn't really know. I I knew music was a big part of my life, but Uh I was working um, towards being the music director at Life Center Church. Uh And so uh, I just went to school to finish high school and get my AA and... Um, hoped that I could work myself into a music job there. Okay, I'm going to project again then. I love projecting and then <laughs> seeing if it's true or not, because I'm, I'm a church choir director, among other things. Uh, the, being something like dealing, uh, doing church music prepares you for so many things, doesn't it? Talk oh, about absolutely. That. Yeah. I started uh, singing and playing at church when I was like eight, and then um, kind of made it to the adult team mm-hmm. when I was 12, like way younger than most people mm-hmm. do. Um, just my dad was the worship pastor there. So I got thrown into a bunch of really cool scenarios with really talented musicians and got to be a sponge and soak up everything I could mm-hmm. at all times. Um, and then as I got older, realized, oh, this is something I really love and I would love to make into a career for myself. Um, so worked towards uh, learning how to lead a band and communicate to musicians that were much high caliber than I, w- than I was at the time. Um, and it was really, really good for me because I, I was thrown into the fire at a young age and, um, and it felt comfortable to me in a lot of ways. Those are a lot of good reasons, a lot of good effects. I'd like to add two more. You learn, um, A, you have to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, you just have to produce Every week. the, the pr- product. Every like, Sunday. Like yep. that. There's no excuse, no, <laughs> yep. no problem, you can't surmount. And two, you learn it's not about you. Mm, that's absolutely true. That yeah. I think is so significant because I'm going to get a little personal about, and you know, Mark Eco could come back on this, a little bit of the problem of classical training is that within all that technique and all that focus, it starts becoming, oh, it's about me, mm. doesn't it, in, in kind of a way? Yeah. I guess so in some ways, you know, yeah. but as a, I guess as a conductor, I learned long ago that, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we don't make any sound mm-hmm. on stage, so it has nothing to do with right. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's it's all about everybody who is mm-hmm. 
actually making the sound on mm-hmm. on the stage and and the music itself. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's it's a different perspective. But yeah. Yeah, you, you're right. That could be a you know that could the be the performers, a, right. the, the musicians can get a little self protective right. and about what I'm doing. They're seeing me and they're hearing me and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And again, you you just do it. Uh, yeah. You know when you do that. Well, so that so that sets up really interesting thing for you. Uh, and then so that was the focus on wanting to be the music director of Life Center Church, which mm-hmm. is it, itself a pretty big gig. But then um, talk about the the ways you branched into who yeah. and exactly what you are now. Uh, well, I got hired there at 18, so I spent uh, five or six years doing that job. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then. Uh, I don't remember, nine years ago, eight years ago, I got the opportunity to go on America's Got Talent. And at the time, I was not super interested in it. I got A, a producer reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to come, um, basically skip the first couple rounds and, mm-hmm. and go to the, the judges round. And I was like, no thanks, That's, that doesn't sound great to me. I don't want to be on a TV show. Um, but they were very convincing because they were like, hey, you and your husband come to Chicago, free flight, whole weekend. Uh, we'll pay for it all. And I was like, okay, it'll be fine. A good experience. Surely I won't make it, so it won't matter anyways. And uh, ended up making it all the way through to the mm-hmm. finale, which really changed my perspective on um, sharing my music with people. Um, I think it gave me a, a new love for performing and uh, the pressure of performing, what it did to, to me inside of, like, I don't like this feeling of, of having so much that I have to, you know, accomplish because Sundays is different. You, it's not about you. So Mm -hmm. you just give your gifts and Mm -hmm. whatever happens is great. Um, Performing at a level like that is, is more about what you can offer to the audience and how you can connect to the audience. And that was a piece that I, I didn't know that I loved or that I could share with them at the time. Um, So that that experience on AGT really just kind of helped me realize that I wanted that I had songs to share, that I had words to share, that I had stories to share with people, and um, that there was a part of me that uh, was holding back because um, it was scary in a lot of ways. Um, so that's when I decided I think I want to do more, and um, and I still love doing what I did at Life Center and am a volunteer there now today even um but wanted to explore what it would look like Mm -hmm. to do music outside of the church and songwriting outside of the church so talk about being a songwriter and uh and what of what qualities and capabilities you could bring to that and Mm -hmm. which ones you had to work hard to 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 really make happen you know, it's funny. I I started writing music when I was about 7. I think that's the first documented piece of music that I have. And uh, my dad was a writer, so it felt natural. I I didn't realize that songwriting was uh something that wasn't normal to everybody. Along with music, music was just always a part of me. Um I think I started really realizing around 15 or 16 that that was uh a, a a gifting, a talent that I really wanted to hone in on. Um, and there's many things to songwriting. I mean, you can be a songwriter by just being a lyricist. You can be a songwriter by just writing the the music portion. Um, but for me, I connected most with the accumulation of both of those things. 
um, that there was a story to tell in the lyrics, but then that the melody followed that story and that there was something to share in the prosody of how things rose and, and dropped and um, what that made you feel as a listener. So um, I've learned a lot over the years. I mean, I still feel like songwriting is uh, very uh, preferential and uh, there is so much to learn. I don't know if I will ever stop learning how to be a better songwriter, but I do feel like I've, I have settled into what kind of songwriter I am in different ways and um, leaning into the talents that I bring to the table depending on on what the setting is for that song for that story for that uh band <laughs> well yeah and that and just at that moment you're looking aside to Whitney Dean your partner in the mm-hmm. Sweeplings and so I purposely kept this about I you know about <laughs> about you so uh let's bring in Whitney first for, to hear you and say hello hey. to you Whitney yep. Dean good morning welcome Nobody and so uh I guess whether it's from from Cammie or from you, Whitney, uh, where was the need to connect that caused two people on both sides of the country to musically get together? Uh, well, um, at the risk of sounding like a desperate boy from Alabama, <laughs> it was completely my idea. Um, <laughs> my wife found Cammie um, through the virtues and uh, glory of TV uh, when she was on and said, wow, that girl's got the voice and the, the stuff that you need for the songs that you're writing. Uh, maybe you could work with her. And naively, we just wrote her a message saying, hey, like, would you be interested in writing with my husband? My wife did. And um, at the time, I had some decent credits to my name. Uh, you know, quick backstory. I, I grew up in the North Alabama area and went to college in the Shoals where um, there's a lot of music made oh, over so, there. Yeah. So so I, I made some good contacts and friends there and had a, a little bit of credibility to my name at that point in time mixed with some other things we do professionally that gave Cammie a little bit of cause to uh, maybe think that well, I'm not a psychopath Dateline store waiting around the corner. <laughs> um, so uh, we, uh, long story short, we connected with Cammie and, and asked her if she would be interested, and she politely declined. Uh, it was in the, <laughs> the middle of all of the TV show stuff, so it made total sense that she probably would exhaust other avenues before writing with a dude from Alabama. So we connected with her a little bit later on, and God would have it that we would uh, get together. I came up here for three days, and we wrote eight songs in the, that whole span of time. And uh, that song, Across the Sea, was the very first one that we wrote together, and it just uh, clicked immediately. And um, so for me personally, to answer your question, uh, the, I, I personally am like a producer and a writer. That's where my home base is. Um, and Cammie, is, uh, every, she's an answer to everything that I hear and think musically. So... Um, I selfishly was after her from the beginning to try to convince her that working with me was a good idea. Nice. Do you have, do you have, do you have any responses to anything you just said? <laughs> well, you probably heard me laughing to a few things. Um, no, I. what's interesting is I really wasn't seeking anything like uh, what, what the Sweeplings is now. Um, and I didn't really know that there was a musical partner that could um, not just help me grow as a songwriter but help... Uh, really fulfill some of those pieces of of stories and heart cries that I had um, in a really beautiful way. Uh, Whitney is an, an incredible songwriter, but he also is uh, one of those uh, lyricists that you can just sit with and, and be like, okay, I want to say this, but I want to say it better. And um, he was really, really good at that from the very beginning, um, sitting with him in my living room, writing those eight songs. Um, it was pretty obvious that our 
where we each had giftings that they were on opposite sides of each other. And so we had a lot of push and pull and were able to kind of take those things and, and make magic because um, I was good at one thing and he was good at another. And it was seamless when we came together. So the Sweeplings, uh, Cammy Bradley, who's speaking right now, and Whitney Dean, who was just speaking a moment ago, and the so let's uh, let's focus on on one of these Christmas songs. We have a couple of them available, either Winter Wonderland or All I Want for Christmas Is You. To go to one either one of those that you want to do, how would you apply some of what you've said about creating it to mm. what we're about to hear in this song? Uh, so we have a pretty unique way of looking at cover songs. Um, I think it's different when you're writing something that's your own story and your own thoughts because you can kind of take it any direction that you want to. When we're writing or working on a cover song, um, we have to really look at the DNA of the song itself and say, okay, what is it about this song that people connect to? What is the nostalgic portion? What is the tradition portion when it comes to Christmas music especially um, that we don't want to take away? Because I think some people work on cover songs and immediately you listen to it and you disconnect because it's missing whatever that DNA is. And every song's different. Sometimes it's a lyric, sometimes it's a melody, sometimes it's just a feeling that you get. Um, so we work really hard to look at a song and go, okay, what's the DNA? What what needs to remain? And then once we find that, what can we strip away? What can we change? What can we rearrange? Um, and so with both of these songs, Winter Wonderland and All I Want for Christmas, uh, we kind of put it through that filter, that process every time. And um, what comes is sometimes a little quirky, sometimes really unique, sometimes just simple and beautiful. Um, but that's kind of our goal every time we take a song apart and put it back together. So how, which, which song should we apply that to? It uh, may be best applied to the Winter Wonderland because a lot of songs that we do in, in terms of the holiday and Christmas stuff, uh, we even try to write new parts to them uh, in terms of like, uh, like a chorus that you wouldn't expect or a bridge or a new verse or something like that just to you know, further implant our, our perceptions on that song. And, and kind of take it in an, another step forward instead of just, oh, we covered it, and that's great. So just to further implant ourselves into it, we try to do that in Winter, Wonderla Winter Wonderland. We tried to do that in what is now like the chorus. We kind of wrote a different little melody and, and used some of the lyric there to, to kind of push it forward. So it makes it more of a song that's new instead of just a cover.
That was their cover of Winter Wonderland. The band question are Cammy Bradley and Whitney Dean, who um, who perform as the Sweeplings. And yeah, I got to do it. Everybody has to do it. Uh, where did the name come from? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> It, it, I wish there was a great story for it. Oh man! But because I, I, well, I have the best story for it, I'm kidding. Um, my wife is a genius, and uh, I, I married up big time. And we, were, I was working on all the things I mentioned earlier about how I met Cammy and the thought and process behind, you know, maybe working with her. And at that time, uh, I was working on a collection of songs, and my wife and I were talking about, well, if we ever did anything with it, we would need to release these as a brand because I couldn't do it myself under my name or anything. So what would we call it? And she just randomly said, what about something like the Sweeplings? It's like a sweeping melodies, and it's like a little group of people would be doing it. So I could be the Sweeplings. And I was like, that sounds good. And then we just branded it that tempor- like temporarily. Met Cammy. We talked about it. We furthered our relationship. And then I just mentioned it to Cammy. Would, uh, do you have any names for what we're going to do? And she said, not really. I said, well, do you want to just do the Sweeplings thing? And it just stuck so <laughs> it may be as good as the Beatles name it may be terrible I don't know but it works <laughs> good okay now let's go into the sound that you create in in, in your or have created in your, in your albums and I think we should be careful about the past versus the present and the future that's that sound based on all kinds of things expectation budget availability and all of those things now you're working with an orchestra mm-hmm. uh a, have you have you worked with an orchestra before? No. no. Okay, so this is this is going to be a new experience for you. Well, what do you project about how that might influence the sound that you want to get from the Sweeplings? Well, I think it actually works very uh, well with everything that we do and how we think about music in general because um, we take a very cinematic approach to our music and the way that we write and uh, oftentimes we actually talk about strings as uh, an element to our vocal parts so we we will write vocal or melody lines 
as though it's a cello playing or a violin playing. Um, and that has been a part of what we do since the very, very beginning. So in a lot of ways, this is just an expansion of something that we've already had our hearts and eyes on since the very, very beginning. Yeah, no, this is absolutely a dream come true, um, both in terms of the, the live performance part of working with such talented people and being a part of such a wonderful event. But um, like every artist, I would imagine that does quasi-cinematic music would want to do this. And to your point, I, I, we have always been um, really cognizant of the the way we crafted our songs and that we, we try to more or less uh, make what we do a microcosm of an orchestra. So mm-hmm. with our four main ingredients, we're doing what an orchestra could do, but just very limited. So this is just an expansion of that, and it's super exciting. So on... On the recordings, such as the two we've just heard, are you also a big percentage of the instrumental? We are all of oh, it. Oh, you're the whole yeah. thing. Everything, we do the yeah. whole thing. Okay. Yeah. What, what's each of you's range of instrumental background? Uh, I play piano, mostly. Yeah. I can, right. like, fiddle on some guitar and yeah. bass, but I wouldn't say I'm a pro. Yeah, Cam is uh, the master of all things. Um, like, th- that, that note needs to move to this, and piano crafting. Like, so she's the master of that stuff. Um, but I, I guess I fall in the, like a wide spectrum of per, like production stuff uh, from drums, bass, guitar, or my main home, and then you know some piano things if it's like sounds or whatever. But anything that's like need to be piano world, that's Cammy's lane for sure. So we just really work uh, use a big word symbiotically if that's even a way to conjugate. Um, we we just so we, we work in tandem on lots of factors of music to try to make sure that whatever collection of um, musical instruments we use is the best ones for that song to have its own voice. So we uh, have a pretty wide spectrum of what we can do. And her husband even plays on some stuff we do. He does drums and he's done bass and things. So we kind of just collaborate as one big family unit to make it work. So the the guest artists with uh, Holiday Pops this year for the symphony, the Sweeplings, um, you were just hearing from Whitney Dean and earlier from Cammie Bradley, the two concerts at the Fox, of course, the, since it's owned by the symphony, uh, 8 o'clock on Saturday night and then 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock, that, that is correct, on Sunday afternoon. So I want to get those times right. The famous uh, phone number for the Spokane Symphony box office, easy to remember, is 624-1200 or simply spokanesymphony.org for that. Real treat to get to know you both and hear what you do. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much.